Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other co-host, Brendan McCullough, and we have two special guests, uh, a producer and a programmer of the upcoming game Black Sea Odyssey. We have PJ and Sean. How are you guys? We're good. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing here? Doing all right. I'm sitting in my pajamas right now, so it's a good Tuesday. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so I guess we have a lot of questions for you guys, but uh, initially, is there a name for your game company? Uh, well, yes, it's Black Sea Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, see, that's what I wasn't sure. I thought it was, but I, I just wasn't 100% yeah, positive, but we, that's awesome. We, we just say Team Black Sea Odyssey. Um, we, we, we really want to just focus more on the game itself than, you know, like the studio game or not, especially since we're just starting out. Sure. Oh, so is this technically your first game? Yes, it's our first game as a company. Um, we worked on a smaller project, but they're mostly on uh, school projects. So this is our first real commercial product. Oh, fantastic. Huh. Who would have thought a game about the Black Sea is your flagship? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> right? Nice. Well, well said. <laughs> uh, I saw the video, and it, it looks incredible. But my first question is just, is the main weapon that the character uses like a harpoon anchor that just rips <laughs> body parts off of the giant space creatures. Yes. Well, that is amazing. Yeah. Well, okay. So his, his, I guess primary like weapon is the spear. So mm-hmm. that you just use to attack. So you're just throwing the spear. Um, it gets actually pretty cool because you can customize, but we'll go into that later. But, um, the, the primary utility that he has is yeah, it's the harpoon, which he has to use to rip the fish part to kill them. Oh man, that is awesome. Yeah, quite a concept. I love it. Um, does this cybernetic old man actually have a name, or is he just the old man? He is the old man. <laughs> I love it. All right, perfect. <laughs> we um, were, we wanted to keep like a mystery like about him, you know, keep yeah. him mysterious. And, and part of it too is um, the old man in the sea is sort of a founding uh, inspiration for us in the game. And so some people will hopefully make that connection. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, well, here's a couple uh, technical question for you, for you guys. Um, what engine is the game built in? I'm assuming Unity, but I'm not sure. Well, I gl- I'm glad that you don't know because it is it is a Unity game, and knowing okay. that, and looking at it and from the outside and not knowing what it is, it, it shows I think a high level of polish. But yeah, not, yes. not it is Unity engine. So okay, see, I, I just was assuming that because a lot of people are going are jumping to that engine lately, but uh, I honestly I just wasn't sure. So that's cool to know. And was it hard accomplishing a twin stick uh, style game in Unity? Um, that's a good question. Yes and no. Um, there's some things that can make it a little bit more difficult with Unity with the control scheme, but overall, no. Unity is a pretty great engine. So okay, and uh, just for curious for like our programmer audience, uh, what like scripting languages did you guys utilize? Oh, we use C sharp primarily. C sharp, and we do some XML for dialogue, but mostly C sharp. Okay, fantastic. Is it technically a twin stick shooter if you play it with a keyboard and mouse? <laughs> I don't know. I guess not. But <laughs> but you you can play with controllers, so it's gonna have full controller support on PCs, and uh, I don't know if you guys are aware, but it'll also be out on consoles. Oh, oh fantastic! Neat. I did not know that. No, neither did I. Yeah, so we'll be out on Xbox One, PlayStation Four, but it, it'll be a little bit later in spring after the PC yeah. launch. Okay, great. And that's actually one thing I wanted to bring up was the fact that you guys do have full uh, controller support. How hard is that to accomplish in Unity? Because I've done a little bit of uh, game dev myself, but I've never really did anything with controller support. Is that like a, a complicated feat? Well, at first, actually, it's really not that difficult. You know, Unity's got a whole input manager that makes it pretty simple for you. But 
Regarding the analog sticks, I did run into some trouble uh, with like getting the right variables and that kind of thing, uh, moving the right direction. But overall, no, Unity makes it pretty pretty simple. So I think the okay. more difficult part is when we're we need to customize a certain aspect of like the user interface. For example, with our inventory, with the mouse you just click and move, but with the controller you need you need to go from slot to slot. So it's a little bit you need to like customize the system for specific um, user interface elements. Okay, I see. That makes sense. Um, go ahead, Bren. Well, I was just thinking that I'm, there's not too many games that I can think of besides maybe Shadow of the Colossus or at times God of War where you're just fighting opponents on such an epic scale, like just a, <laughs> such a massive uh, size difference between the main character and the opponent. And I think Shadow of the Colossus did it well. God of War kind of, it shows the scale of it but it takes it away with the quick time events because you're just so powerful. You're just like tearing into a Colossus or ripping out a Kraken's throat with your bare hands as this little guy. <laughs> yeah. But this game, I really noticed, I think one of your creatures takes up five screens to see all of it. Yes. Like it is enormous. Yeah. And so, it really, it really makes you see the difference between your character and like the creature you're fighting. Yeah. So that's actually our first Kingfish boss. And, so we're releasing our alpha demo next week and the alpha demo is going to have our first kingfish boss and he is massive so we got a few people to play test him at a local event and uh <laughs> the feedback has been pretty positive they were you know they were pretty excited they were, when they first saw him uh you know come onto the screen or whatnot so okay. yeah we had people like literally stand up out of their chairs and just like take a moment and be like whoa am i really about to fight this king? <laughs> that's <laughs> so, yeah. super cool yeah so yeah that's kind of what we're going for did you guys build that on like a projector just so you can see the full size of them at once, or do you just stack and monitors on top of each other? <laughs> Stacking monitors. Yeah, we actually uh, our original content we just first just sketched it out on, this, on our giant whiteboard. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then just divided it up on what what part would go on what screens. Yeah, we just Pretty break much. it up, break it up piece by piece, basically. We look at the boss, and he's like really like six or seven, you know, bosses put together. We just break them up piece by piece. So. Okay, so seeing how there's one that takes up five screens, are there going to be any others that are bigger than that? Hopefully not. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Short answer, yes. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. Yeah, it does really put quite the scale to the game, like uh, your character as compared to the enemy. Um, but I did have a question. What is like one of your biggest influences? Like, Are there any other games in the twin stick genre that you are kind of pulling uh inspiration from uh we have so many influences from this in terms of the twin stick shooter um geometry wars i almost i was gonna actually ask that that's awesome and, and uh, like the like for the very very core concept um asteroids uh we just really want like a floaty kind of feel which we really like that so getting our physics to like feel like a nice blend of space and sea um we just put a lot of time into that but, and, and there's so many other games that influenced it, like the Binding of Isaac for its roguelike elements. Yeah, oh. Binding of Isaac, a lot of the roguelike elements from that, we, we really we really wanted to take from. And there's actually a pretty deep, we don't really talk about it too much, but we have a pretty deep um, RPG system in two. So uh, actually Path of Exile and Diablo were kind of influences on like how you like, upgrade your ship and how you upgrade your weapon and that kind of thing. Oh, wow. Uh, so we got a lot of various influences on the game. FTL sort of influenced the way we travel from node to node in the game. So we picked in parts of our favorite games and Sort of mesh it together, so. God, you're just hitting off all like my all of my recently played Steam. Oh, list. Awesome. <laughs> I, I was playing Binding of Isaac two minutes before we started this. Wow, awesome. 
Yeah, so there's like probably like a dozen games that influence like various aspects of the design of Black Sea Odyssey. Oh, that's great. How did you guys come up with the style of it? It's uh, I don't know how to. It's almost really like vector it. graphics. Like, oh, well, some of the art specifically. We're grabbing an artist. Hold on. Yeah, we're, we're, we're letting come chime in. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, so we purposely chose that art style because it didn't look like the majority of uh, other games. So we wanted it to be like unique and, and instantly recognizable from any screenshot. Also, uh, since I'm the only artist, I wanted to make sure it was an art style that I could iterate on very quickly, and um, I could also create content very quickly. Oh, fantastic. It looks just beautiful. I love the color scheme you cho- chose. It is very, yeah, recognizable. I don't think there's anything else quite like it. Well, one thing we also did to make it a little more unique is we added a normal maps to our environment. So it, re- it inter- interacts with light and it kind of tricks the eye into thinking it's 3D. So that's another yeah. thing we did to oh, make that's it stand awesome. out a little more. For some reason, the first thing that pops out to my head is like, not like South Park, but kind of like paper, like because everything's just a solid, uh, like color and yeah. shading in itself. Like you can see the geometric shapes in yeah. all the designs. It's really neat. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we we really wanted to go for that unique stylized kind of geometric feel. Nice. Um. Well, as far as gameplay goes, is there? Uh, I'm not. Is it mainly like a story, or how does that work? All right. So. The story is that there's this competition, which is called the Black Sea Odyssey. So the competition um, it entails four of the greatest huntsmen of, you know, these space huntsmen, and they go out to capture bounties. So the various boss fishes that you capture have like, bounty points associated with them. And so the huntsman that captures the most bounty points, they're awarded the privilege of fighting the Titanfish, which is the largest fish in the Black Sea galaxy. So it's like it revolves around this competition. Um, and also like the characters that you compete against down the road, you know, through achievements, you can unlock them to play them and they each have their own, you know, unique stats and whatnot. But in terms of the story, uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. Yeah, no, that sounds really interesting. Oh, okay. You already answered one of my questions. I was going to ask if you can play as the other hunters. <laughs> Do they each have like their own name and stuff? Yeah. So they have their own name, their own backstory. Um, they're going to have their own unique you know, uh, ship and like attributes and whatnot. So maybe one might have more help with travel a little slower, yeah. stuff like that. We we actually are going to have to a dialogue system in our game. So in between each of the levels, the characters are going to interact with each other. And depending on which character you're playing, you're going to unlock like different parts of the story and get to learn more about the characters. And they may even ask you questions that may impact um, how you actually play the game. So that would be interesting. Too. Uh, oh, wow. That's awesome. Definitely. Um, so, how does like how does so you, this is your first game? How did it you guys go from okay we have this idea for a game and we're building it to now we want to get it on Steam and get it to PS4 and Xbox One? I'm assuming you had to work with a publisher, and if I am not mistaken, it was Mastertronic. How's it like working with them? Yeah, so um, I, I guess I'll start all the way back to the beginning. So we sure. we, all, we all attended UCF together. Um, we we each had similar goals and interests, and in that we wanted to you know. Uh, attempt the, to be creating our own independent game studio. So at the Global Game Jam last year, we prototyped, we, we prototyped this idea, and we, it was a way for us to test our chemistry and to test the concept. And a lot of people enjoyed the idea, and we enjoyed working with one another. So we decided to make a prototype, and we pitched to various publishers, and that's how we that's when we came into contact with Mastertronic. And we've been working on the game full time since May, ever since you know the we were able to get signed by them. 
So it's it's been nice because it's it's intimidating trying to get on consoles and Steam. You know, it's nice ha- not having to go through you know Kickstarter or Greenlight to to, to get on those platforms and whatnot. Yeah, because because it's our first game, <laughs> like it's 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 difficult. It's a, for a lot of independent studios to do that for their first time, and it's intimidating, and it's easy to mess up when you when you don't have you know a partner to help you through those processes. That's understandable. Is it is it challenging to work with them since they're based out of the UK? Um, not really. We we keep in contact via email mostly, and we also have pretty frequent Skype meetings to keep up to date and whatnot. So it's not uh, it's not really a big deal where the, that they're located in in the UK. Oh, okay, because I know some developers who are based out of the Netherlands, and you know they all have a publishing house in like Australia or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's gotta suck if there's like a time sensitive issue. Yeah, no, Ma- you gotta wait twelve been, hours. Mastertronic's been pretty good. They've been pretty um like hands off in terms of our uh, development. They've given us a lot of creative freedom, but they're really there more to support us more than anything and, and help us with feedback and that kind of thing. So, you know, not being right next door to them hasn't been an issue so far. So, okay. Yeah, they they they're they're very flexible with like uh you know with their needs in general like in terms of like like creative feedback or marketing you know it's they're pretty flexible regarding those sorts of things so it's not like they're like breathing down our back or anything. That's good. I think the best working environment is always like a hands free like where the you know a corporate entity isn't trying to put in their input for like the creative side of things. Yeah, we've seen how that works out with Assassin's Creed and a few <laughs> other. Yeah. Franchises, I won't yeah. name. Bulletstorm. <coughs> oh, jeez. Oh, I hate it. Um, but I see that you guys have a Twitch setup for your game. Is this just uh, you guys just streaming you working on the game? Because your schedule is, what, 10 to 6 every weekday? Oh. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty much. Um, we, we, uh, we work Monday through Thursday, um, and we have... We actually work nine to seven, but we just stream ten to six. Just you know, ten to four or ten to four. Yeah, oh, ten, to ten to six. Ten to six. Oh, ten to six. Sorry, going back. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes uh, we'll stream. Mostly we stream art. It's mostly Peter. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. Sean will hop on to deliver programming, and very infrequently we'll kind of just play around <laughs> and you know just play the game while we're kind of quote unquote working. But um, but yeah, it works out really nice. It's it's nice to just chat with people and you know. Peter can easily be like, "Hey guys, what do you think of this?" And they can you know give feedback and their their thoughts and whatnot. So it's pretty it's pretty awesome uh, Twitch streaming development. Yeah, I love the fact that you guys have like an active like game dev uh, stream. But like, so do you do coding and stuff too, or is it mainly just art? We do coding occasionally. It's unfortunately um, coding requires a lot of focus, so it's a little more difficult to stream while you know you're problem solving. So yes. yeah, I've done it a few times um, in the past, but it's like. It's like, man, do I want to increase my productivity and turn the stream off, or do I want to like be talking to people and program at the same yeah, time? Yeah, it, it really um, affects our productivity. And, and it might have something to do with my inability to multitask. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but That's not understandable. Think, so, I think yeah. with something like coding, you want to be, you know, solo tasking. You want to be focused on that, just yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, is it uh, better now that Twitch allows the creative streams? Because I know. Uh, a few months ago, it was strictly games. If you weren't playing a game, they'd shut down the stream. But now I know they offer up like a creative, uh, like people are crafting on streams and making things on streams. And I, w- with art, I see a lot of animators streaming their, you know, drawings and stuff. Even even before they did uh, crafting, they tried game dev and poker. 
So the crafting is a new one, but we're actually not in the crafting category. We're in the game development category, which was a category that came out a little bit before that. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's it's really cool because a lot of people that watch our stream, uh, our stream, some of them are game developers. So it's kind of cool. It's like, hey, uh, oh, you have a site too? We can go check out what they're working on and whatnot. So it really builds a community within, like, you know, the indie development scene. Nice. Yeah, and I've seen that you've really integrated your Twitch into your main website like very well. It's just right there, so you don't even have to go over to Twitch. You can just watch it off your main site. Yeah, um, yeah, we're really, really big on open development. So we have like weekly newsletters where we talk about what we're working on. We do the Twitch. Um, we're about to do our open alpha, which has an integrated feedback system. So w- we really want to make sure you know people that are uh, potential audience can, can be as much of a part of our development as they can. Gotcha. Um, what would you say has been like the hardest, like, I don't know, maybe like stumbling point for you guys in the development process? Was, was there an idea you had that was like impossible to implement or like, what would you say has been the most challenging aspect of building a uh, Black Sea Odyssey? Um, do, does it need to be strictly development oriented? Uh, it doesn't have to be. It could definitely be art. Okay. So, well, I was going to go into like marketing actually. Oh, oh yeah. sure. So we all come from development backgrounds. So we're we're pretty we've been pretty fortunate. Like whenever, whenever we're like, Hey Sean, do you think we can do destructive environment? And he's like, Oh, we'll see. And then he's been able to pull it off. So so far we haven't really got into like a stump in development wise. Same thing with art. But our biggest learning curve was like through marketing. So since we all come from development backgrounds, we really had to experiment a lot with like, you know, being a part of various communities like Reddit or Twitter, like it took us a while to figure out how each of them work and how to properly engage our community in those various different outlets. That's yeah. understandable. We share the same. Issue. <laughs> I mean, I'm just yeah. recently getting involved with Reddit. And as for this podcast, like, yeah, we had to learn how to market our podcast and find our audience. So I can definitely relate. And most of us are just developers. So it was kind of a, a big learning curve. I have, a, I have a note too to make about that. Um, I was actually going to say the hardest thing for me to do because PJ saying we the whole time, and I'm thinking, okay, PJ, maybe for you that was the hardest thing. <laughs> but for me, the hardest thing was probably the destructible environments and the navigation system, which PJ's like, hey, Sean, you think you can do those things? And I'm secretly thinking, I actually have no idea if I can do these things or not. Yeah. Um, but it ended up working out and working out good. And once we got past that and we got all the framework for the game done, you know, we, it's been kind of a s- mostly smooth sailing ever since. Yeah. <laughs> there, but. Optimization has been a little bit of a piece to tackle also like optimi- optimizing like the ai the destructible environment like these various systems it's like th- th- i know that's been a difficult thing sean's put a lot of time into yeah i mean for each of us we've all had different you know tasks and hurdles so not to put down what he did i've seen with your twitch stream you also have piggy your little stream champion i guess oh god we forgot <laughs> peter can you comment on that <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty empty. It was just, uh, I don't know, hey, yeah, you want to talk about it? it was an experiment, I guess, to see. Uh, yeah, we designed that to to motivate people to donate. That pig is going to like level up once it gets enough experience, and I'm going to keep redrawing it buffer and buffer and bigger. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah. Maybe oh. by the time the game comes out, we'll have this like jack pig. Like standing on two legs. <laughs> mode on here. He's, got, he's got like a beard. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe if he gets big enough, you can put him as a DLC character. <laughs> That's a good idea. That'd be pretty awesome. We actually had like a sort of like a page character idea a while ago. Oh, nice. 
that actually leads me to my next question. Is this, uh, is this game going to incorporate any kind of, uh, Easter eggs, so to speak? Um, well, we're going to have achievements, but in terms of actual Easter eggs, I don't know yet. Yeah, we're definitely going to have a lot of, well, I don't want to say the quote unquote Easter eggs, but there's going to be a lot of content that you're going to have to play the game again and again and unlock. Like there'll sure. be like special bosses and like special enemy encounters and like weird character things that'll happen between the dialogue and maybe some like really strange items. Um, for example, we're, we're going to have an item called a judgment coin that can like randomly give you any item in the game or kill you or teleport you somewhere randomly. So, I mean, if you want to qualify that as an Easter egg, then yes. So there's <laughs> kind of some things in there like that. <laughs> nice. Um, is that just based off Binding of Isaac? Because I know there's plenty yeah. of, like, t- there's the telly pills in that where if you just take it, it'll teleport you randomly. Yeah. You don't know it's that pill until you take it, so it just ruins your whole plan. <laughs> yeah. That's that's honestly where that came from. Yeah. Oh, nice. Man. <laughs> yeah. It's great, but like at the same time, it's like, is it worth the risk of it's not knowing what this risk. pill is or like, well, where this judgment coin is going to take me? It's like, yeah. screw it. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's just safer to that's what we just, that's what we want to do we want we want things like that that are gonna be that yeah are, we, we really want to push the player to make decisions so it's like oh god is this worth the risk is it worth the reward yeah. you know so that's one thing we really want in our game oh man okay i think that's one of the biggest payoffs from the whole roguelike genre that's been coming out recently i do you guys know if it's a new genre because i haven't noticed it except for the last few years i can't really think of any many games before that no, it's it's not a new genre actually. Before like games had saving, uh, that's kind of what the genre. Yeah, the, I think the term roguelike actually comes. I could be wrong on this, but I think it actually comes from a game that was called roguelike or something simpler, similar, and it was like ten years old. It just literally just like a two D platformer and you one hit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I, don't, I don't know. Never mind. Like, he's lying. It's not a two D platformer. Um, he's so, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna jump in. So. uh... Yeah, so roguelike games are actually really old, but they're very different from, like, the roguelite games. So our game is more of, like, a roguelite, L-I-T-E, and that okay. has, like, some aspects, like procedural level generation and permadeath, but it's very, very different from the, the roguelike genre. Um, it's a little, the roguelike genre is a little more hardcore. Um, it's more RPG-oriented, and it's um, usually they tend to be actually turn-based um, RPGs. But... Um, I think so. Rogue likes have been around for a while, but rogue lights, I think, is a recent thing. You know, we've seen with like yeah, starting with good. starting with Spelunky and um, uh, you know, like yeah, I think Spelunky was probably the, one of the most recent like big ones. Um, and then of course you have the re- the, re- the more recent ones like you know, Don't Starve and FTL and whatnot. Yeah. Oh God, we got to figure out a better term for these. They're too close rogue like right? and rogue light right. yeah, do, do you say rogue I, I don't know <laughs> but um when we describe our game we just say it has roguelike elements we feel like that's the easiest way to describe it without being confusing gotcha oh god and then there's a game uh i think it's actually master sonics or Mastertronics behind it uh sub uh, sub level zero which is roguelike and rogue light it's both it's like god that's <laughs> yeah, that game's honestly more of a roguelite. It's definitely, it's definitely not a roguelike. Um, but people, people kind of misuse the term. It's kind of like lost. It's kind of like, I guess, core meaning. But, um, but yeah, that, that's a, that, that's another game that has like really interesting take on the roguelite genre. Because like, well, one thing we've noticed is, uh, so you have top-down shooters like roguelites, like The Binding of Isaac, but we haven't like seen a multi-directional shooter that has roguelike elements. So that's one thing we uh, really like about our game. Definitely. 
Um, quick question for you guys. It's funny because most of the people we interview aren't on our uh our time zone. So where are you guys located? Uh, black team, uh, team black Odyssey, <laughs> black team Odyssey, black team Odyssey. <laughs> so we're we attended the University of Central Florida in Orlando, where we studied game design, and so we're still here in Orlando. Um, and we're glad to be a part of the Orlando any community because it's 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 small, but it's it's growing. Um, and it's nice to be a part of that growth. Nice. And how big is your team? I know we spoke to three members. Is that all? Yes. So there's three of us, but we also work with a sound designer and a musician. Um, and that's about it. We did have an intern with us over summer, and he was a great help. But in terms of the core team, there's three of us. Okay, great. Oh, what's it like to be warm? What's that like? <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're in Pennsylvania, so we're always cold. Sometimes it's nice. <laughs> sometimes it's too hot yeah, we're, we're actually this isn't disclosing maybe too much information but we're actually working out of my mom's basement and her ac was like broken over the summer so we're like down here oh. sweating with like five computers <laughs> like our fans, life. blowing fans on ourselves so yeah oh man it's good it's good during sometimes but not so good during others <laughs> it's been it's been like a big cooler since it's been fall so we just like open the doors it's even nicer but yeah Gotcha. Well, if you ever want to come up to Pennsylvania, it's already snowed up here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But uh, I guess another question for you guys, depending on the success of uh, of your game, do you intend on attending certain conventions and stuff like, for instance, PAX East or anything along those lines? Yes, we do intend to uh, attend PAX East. That's, one, that's, that's a really big one that we want to do. Um, so hopefully, you know, we, we plan to start early access in January, so assuming everything's going well and the game's getting a lot of positive reception, we will be attending PAX East. Oh, fantastic. Hopefully I'll, I'll make it out this year. <laughs> All right, cool, awesome. Yeah, we're also considering PAX South, too. Um, we may do one or the other or both. Okay, that's understandable. Yeah. Is there just like a PAX compass? Like, is it just every direction? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think PAX East... Uh, Pack South and Pack Prime. I can't think of yes. any others. Yeah, no, I think that's the ones that are available. Yeah. Uh, okay. There should be a compass though. <laughs> <laughs> Pax North and it's just way up in Canada. <laughs> yeah, Antarctica. They have enough devs up there to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we've we've spoken to at least the Lastronaut guys were from Canada. Yep, that's I true. I feel like we've spoken with more. Um, we've noticed. I don't know if you guys know this, but we. I've specifically noticed a huge game development community in like the Netherlands and yes. like Holland and stuff. Is this a thing that's going on and just no one knows about it? Cause it seems to be every other game is coming out of, you know, somewhere of Northern Europe. Um, I don't know how like well known that is, but yeah, the Netherlands and Vancouver, there, there, there's a lot of, there's a few cities and areas that have um, a pretty popular indie community. I guess it makes sense because it's cold up there all the time. You want something to give you a reason to stay inside and never have to see the snow. Warm yourself by your tower. Yeah. yeah. Got a space heater for a tower. I mean, I'm in my small little room right now and I'm burning up just from my computer. <laughs> Uh, well, all right. And another thing, I do have to keep this on the short side, unfortunately, but I do have a few more questions for you. Are there any games that you three specifically are excited for that are on the horizon, other than your own game, obviously, but uh, that are coming out 2016? Any that you're really excited for? Oh, God. Uh, I'm looking forward to Overwatch. Ooh, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that looks ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, man. Dude, I'm going to sound like not any developer, but... 
Uh, I'm looking forward to the Witcher expansion coming out here soon. Oh, cool. I didn't yeah. even know that was a thing, so that should be interesting. Yeah. I still gotta get Witcher 3. It's it's amazing. It's honestly, like, I'm a, all right, I'm a huge RPG fan. It's like the best RPG I've ever played. It's, <laughs> it's I don't know, it's hard to beat. It's, in terms of story and character development, it's pretty impressive. Nice. I'm scared because we had a lull in like the big AAA titles. We're like, ah, these aren't so great. They're definitely not worth $60. And now there's a ton coming out, like Fallout 4, yeah. Metal Gear Solid 5, Witcher 3. I'm just like, shit, they're all like over 50 hours easily. Like, I'm going <laughs> to waste so much time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess, Bren, do you have any questions before I kind of ask our final question and wrap things up? Uh, yeah, I got two, uh, mainly. Has the early access and all the social media been beneficial to you guys in terms of finding um, potential game testers well now you don't have to go out and hire people who do it professionally you can just give it out to fans and just get their feedback from it well it's uh we haven't, we haven't done it yet so it's hard to say so we're releasing our public alpha demo next week and then we're in january we're gonna do early access so we can come back to him the question once we've done it and uh we kind of see but so far like from attending conventions uh, we've gotten a lot of people to play our game, and it's been very, very useful to get their feedback and input a lot of things. So we're assuming that's going to go well, but it's fingers crossed. Oh, okay. Um, and this question is more for Sean. Uh, on the site, it has you listed as the technical director. I, myself, have technical director on my resume <laughs> from when I worked on a minor league hockey team. I don't know what it means, and no one has called me out on it yet. <laughs> it's just, it's what just is a, a technical director? It's a, it's a really conceited way of saying I'm the, I'm the best program on the team. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's pretty much it. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, think it, I think it's actually a popularly used term in uh, game development specifically, where you could have, say, a team of programmers of 50 people and have several programming leads, and then you have the technical director who's in charge of all of them. Realistically speaking, on a team of three, the name is a little bit obnoxious. I could probably just say I'm the programmer, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. We we said it a long time ago. And we're like, whatever, we'll stick with it. So, <laughs> so oh, okay. yeah, because I know I use it on my resume, and I do I know nothing about coding. So <laughs> yeah, as long as you're not called out, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, one last thing before we do plugs and stuff. Uh, what do you have any advice for any starting game developers? Like anything that you could just Maybe like uh, whether to go with Unity or any just advice in general for starting out developers or game devs. So, I mean, it really depends on what stage you are in development. But the main thing I got to say is just practice, keep developing, keep honing your skills. You know, this might be our first commercial product, but all of us were working on games for at least five or six years before this. And all because we love doing it and we did it during our free time as much as we could. And by the time we graduated, you know, we had the skills to do that. And not just because of our education, but largely because of our own passionate self-interest so keep chasing after it keep whether it's programming or art or you know design or whatever just keep working on it go to game jams build games that kind of thing so and it can it can definitely be overwhelming if you try to make an mmorpg as a game <laughs> and that's usually the case but um i would say just like try to make a game in game maker first uh, yeah. where it has tools to make it easier instead of you know trying to make your own game engine or, or whatever yeah, make, make a simple pong game you know with, with some kind of character you like so I, let's keep it simple first i second peter's statement about game maker it's an excellent introductory like game engine it's um, it's very it's it's a very awesome way to learn like how game engines work and how to build a game without be, needing too much technical skills. Oh, okay. if, you're, if you're a little more experienced, I'd probably jump into Unity and start learning C sharp. Yes. Um, or Unreal Engine 4 is great too. If you're a heavy programmer, learn C plus plus and Unreal Engine 4. So 
Depends on what you're So you want to start out with like IKEA furniture that have instructions as opposed to just chopping down a tree and whittling yourself a bookshelf. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Very good analogy. Um, well, I can't thank you guys enough for joining us. Um, is there anywhere our listeners can find you? I'm sure we should plug your website and your game, uh, maybe personal Twitters if you have them. Yeah, so our main website page is www.blacksyodyssey.com. And right now, that's where you can register for our alpha. You said uh, www. Oh, there really? Oh, God, sorry. <laughs> um, well, that's where you can register for our alpha that's coming out. And that's also where you'll be able to download it when it does come out. Also, our Facebook is facebook.com slash Odyssey, And our Twitter is twitter.com slash Odyssey. Okay, great. And also, listener, I highly recommend if you're into like dev streams, check out their Twitch too. I, I'm pretty sure that was just twitch.tv slash Black Sea Odyssey as well. Yes, yes, it is. Okay, great. Um, well, like I said, thanks so much for joining us, guys, and we we look forward to seeing how what how successful your game is. I'm really excited to. Hopefully, I'll be testing it for you guys as well. All right, awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for speaking with us. Of course. Have a good day. See you guys next week. Thank you. Guys. See you.